for the reading of God's Word. You've probably heard many pastors say this over the years, but Christmas time can be a very challenging time because you've heard the Christmas story. Let's see, if you're in your 50s, 48, 49 times, probably times three or four, plus at church. But I've found that there's so many things there and there's so many ways to look at it that the prism never loses its luster. There's always something new. And though I read a familiar passage, I believe the Lord has a specific word for this part, just like he did for the transition of our worship service. Luke 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. We've been taxed forever. It's just even since Jesus' day. And this was first made when Cyrenius was governor. I don't like him. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he was taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to some, most, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, speaking to the shepherds. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is coming to pass, which the Lord has revealed to us. That's very important, which the Lord has revealed to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen as it was told unto them. You may be seated this morning. Shepherds, minding their own business. No mention of them praying. No mention of them looking to God, searching out God. No mention of them part of the uh, uh, faith of Israel. No mention of heritage. And all of a sudden, an angel appears and begins to speak to them. And I want us to focus on the... There's so much history here, so much fulfillment, so much that's attached to Christ being the Savior of the world. But let's just look at the shepherds for a moment. And the angel, the angel of the Lord, which would either be, on my understanding, Gabriel or Michael. And the angel said... You will find him. You will find him. And it doesn't mean they were looking for him. This is a perfect 
type of salvation. From the day Jesus was born, salvation was being preached into the labyrinth of men's souls through a variety of measures, incomprehensible. You'll find him even though you're not looking for him. You're going to find him even though you're not worthy. You're going to find him even though you didn't know there was a him. And this message, this good news is to all people. God was saying, you will find him because I'm going to reveal him. At the precise time, the Bible says in Galatians 4, I believe, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem people like us from under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons at just the right moment. Jesus did not crown in Mary's womb until the perfect moment. It was destined in heaven. Three, two, one, now. And the Savior was born. At the predicted place, the bread of life, born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Well, of course, the bread of life would be born in the predicted place, the perfect place, the plain place, in a manger. And the manger didn't mean necessarily a barn. It really meant trough. It was a feeding trough. That which we would feed upon later would be Christ the Lord, his broken body and his blood laid in the feeding trough of animals. He would be substance and life to us. He came in a precious way. He was revealed in a powerful way, an unmistakable way. You'll find him because God reveals Jesus. He engages us. He turns us. He quickens us. He allows us. He, he orchestrates all of the salvation. That's the only part of this sermon and I don't want you to be misled. You don't find him, but you find him. God's not searched for. The Bible said there's none that searcheth after God. None of us. It's God that finds us, but he, you'll see later in the message, he orchestrates it all and then you say, look what I found. But it was God that provides it all. You will find Jesus because God's going to reveal him. Number two, you will find him to be the fulfillment of all prophecy. This wasn't just an event that God orchestrated so he could uh, react and plan a salvation. All of who Jesus was was predicted thousands of years ago by various different authors. And for a man to be an atheist, I'm, I'm not mocking that, but a man that believes in math and believes in science and the factual matter of things connecting, if you look at the statistical odds of one person fulfilling all the biblical prophecies that unbelievers recognize are found, the most documented thing in the world is the Bible. Copy after copy after copy after copy of the Old Testament and all these hundreds of prophecies pointing to one person. The odds of that person fulfilling all those systematic, separate, distinct, exclusive properties, you would have better odds of winning the mega lottery like a million times. And God makes sure that man knows who Christ is because he is the fulfillment. All the signs point to Christ the Lord. He was the eternal spotless one. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. It was already planned for him to die, Revelation 13, before the world was ever created because God wasn't going to make us robots. He was going to give us free will and he knew if we had free will, we'd choose ourselves. So he planned on a sacrifice to buy us back 
after our failure so that we would serve God not robotically but willingly. The lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, the prophesied one, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, in the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. He was the displayed one. He told the shepherd, the shepherds, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, displayed for them to see. And in your lifetime, Christ has been displayed to you through grandparents maybe, or, or parents, or uh, a preacher. And here's where the devil works so systematically, accurately. He wants you to get your eyes off of what is being displayed and put them on the displayer. And you can find flaw. If you want to find flaws with me, watch me for about a half a minute. That's why when Christ was displayed in a feeding trough, not even hygiene, it's not even clean, he was saying it has nothing to do with where you find him. It has all to do with who he is. And an incomplete grandma, uh, 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 a father that was, didn't live all that he knew. But if you were exposed, if, you, if Christ was revealed to you through them, you can throw the messenger away. It's the message that gives eternal life. On our best day, we're nothing but inarticulate, self-righteous, filthy rags. Just mailmen, if you will. No offense if you're a mailman. I'm talking about this, you know. I'm just delivering the mail. He's the personal one. Listen to this. If you're in this room and you're not a believer, if you're not born again, if you're not walking with God, listen to this. For unto you is born. The shepherd says, who? Me? Yeah. But the goodwill was to all. So the message to the shepherds was so that it would be funneled to everyone. He said, unto you. You, the adulterer. The fornicator, the one who abused his child, the one that broke covenant. Humbly, I tell you, the one that took the life that was inside your womb. The one that thinks I'm way past, too far. Don't you think that God knew when that angel declared for unto you is born unto you, he was including all kinds of people. Unto you. And you have to forgive me because I'm just, I really am an inarticulate, uneducated pastor. But I'm thinking, me, unto you, I'm a you. That's what I think. I'm one. The qualification is that God wants us to get the message. And Christ is revealed as the fulfillment. Unto you is born. Unto you. The sacrificial one. A savior. Christ came to die. He didn't come to live He came to be rejected so that you could be accepted. He came to be naked so that you could be clothed. He came to be abused so that you could be cherished. He hung cursed so that you could live a life without a curse. He was rejected by God when when the sins of the world were put upon him. God the Father turned his back and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that you could be accepted. Unto you is born the sacrificial one, the spotless one, the personal one, the supreme one, a Savior which is called Christ the Lord. This wasn't just a sacrifice. 
You were not redeemed with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. That's our value, the exclusive one. And here's where the world stumbles and stumbles and stumbles, and in their own wisdom, they become fools. They say that we can follow any path we choose to find salvation from God. And the God who we've sinned against determines how we come to him and how we're accepted. We don't get to pick. The Bible says in Acts 4, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We cannot be saved by any other name, any other person, any other way, any other efforts, any other pathway, any works. My heart breaks when I see those who come under the name. See, the devil is so wise in uh, empowering false ministers and false gospels with maybe well-intentioned people. But I see them on Saturdays come to witness to me with their Bible under the title Jehovah's Witnesses. But in their gospel, I add, you have to add something to what Jesus did. And there's a, a duty expected and there's a, a works to be done. But you see, we understand that if I touch that lamb in the manger, if I touch the sacrifice, if I, cor I corrupt it, I can't add anything to the precious blood of the Son of God. So we who are saved, we are saved by faith alone, not by works. I don't have to go through the neighborhoods on Saturday and tell you something to earn my salvation. I don't have to ride a 10 speed for two years to merit my salvation. I don't have to carry beads or light candles or pray to dead saints. Christ, the lamb, was the sacrifice. That's it. Nothing else. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And this is not arrogance. This is not bigotry. And this is not uh, hatred or closed-mindedness. Muslims and those in Islam and those in any other gospel, any other modified, altered, uh, those in, in, in the Asian nations that pursue all different types of deities, and go, they're not my brother. I'm not their judge. I'm not judging you. I'm no better than nobody. The proof that I'm no better than anybody is if I don't have a Savior, I will spend my eternity in the lake of fire. I'm not better than you. But they're not my brother. They name another name. They name another name. No other name. Oh, we're all part of the same family. We're all children of God. No, we're not. We're all the creation of God. But a tree is created. He ain't my brother. Although my last name is Wood, that might be a connection. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. That just hit me while I was thinking. Of <laughs> they teach our little children that we're no different than the animals. Secular humanism, like a cow. We just go back to the earth. Listen, we are all his creation. In that, it's true. We are all equal in the sense that we were created. It was God's idea. But our position and status is based on what God has done after our birth. That's why you must be born again. You must be born again. 
I believe it was John Wesley. I'm, I'm not for certain. After you read for 20 or 30 or 40 years, some of the stories blur together. And I've preached on Moses' ark and, you know, Noah leading them into the wilderness. But in my head, it's clear, you know. He preached for years and years and years. One sermon. Everywhere he traveled, he said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And they brought him in before the governmental hierarchy of his denomination and said, we are getting reports that everywhere you go, you'll have a 10-night meeting and all you preach is you must be born again. Why are you preaching the same message over and over and over and over? He said, because you must be born again. You must be born again. What part did you play in your first birth? What part do you play in your second birth? This is hard for evangelical Christians to understand. And I'll get to the part that we're responsible for. But salvation did not come by the will of men, the Bible says. It's of the Lord. When you are, when Christ is revealed to you, you are pulled. And don't build a doctrine on this, but this is the best way I can explain it. When Christ is explained, when the message of the gospel is explained, that you could not get to God, but God came to you and provided a sacrifice that if you believe and you have faith, you can be forgiven and given a new life, changed, not just forgiven, changed from the inside out and eternally secure. When you're exposed to that, you're almost in between worlds. And here's where I get this idea from. And please, again, don't write me and say, John said there's another world that everybody goes to. No, I'm trying to explain in my finite mind what it's like because... If I'm dead in trespasses and sin, how do dead people hear God? When you're exposed to God, it's almost like there's enough faculty there to hear and get it. And when you believe, you're channeled into the kingdom. That's why people that have never heard God before can come to church and hear his voice. Jesus said, the day is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Are y'all cool in here? Can y'all believe December, what, like 82, 85? I saw Santa Claus out there with no shirt on. He just laid in the the Walmart parking lot. Just get, just get, you can cut us off. And then if they start fanning, they'll throw stuff at you, napkins or whatever. Okay. Sorry, Santa. If you're larger, you get hot quicker. Never mind. How many large people give me amen? You get Skinny people like, oh, Lord, it's cold. <laughs> Don't you want to tell them just wear something? Your wife come to dinner with a tank top on. Wear something. I'm dying up in here. Striped pajamas got one stripe. I'm going to talk about how cold they are. Eat something. Eat something. I feel good. (laughs) You will find God by invitation. Only by invitation. So when the shepherds were engaged, who did the engaging? Who did the speaking? Who did the revealing? Who gave the direction? Okay. You can't come to God anytime you want. That's why my heart, I, I tremble for people that come to church and they sit there with their arms folded and they just, you know, teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, folded arms like, all right, preach, what you got for me? Move me. I can't move you. 
But what you don't realize is you are playing a game with your soul. You can't come to God when you choose to. Scripture said you don't get to pick. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. It don't work that way. You have to be drawn. No man can come to me lest the Father draw him. And there's pullings like we felt after worship. There's pullings. To, now you have to give your life to God. There are men I meet all the time that said, I had no intention of serving God. And it was like a tractor beam. I go to this church. I'm sitting on the back row. I don't know him. I'm not listening to him. And I knew God was saving me. I have, to, I have to respond. You can't just come to God. Oh, I can't in the last minute. No, you can't. You must be drawn by the Lord. You can't, be, you can't decide to be born. The womb of the Spirit must have you, and you must be birthed God's way through God's Spirit, through God's voice. The Bible said that this will be a sign to you, to the shepherds. He said this will be a sign to you. And you've been given signs that God is real, that God is accessible, that God is present. So many signs in my youth only to be stupid in my late teens and early 20s. Stupid, do you hear me? If you ignore the signs, you go the wrong pathway. An invitation to revelation. He said, come find him. Because if they see him, and they put together that he's the one prophesied of, then he's not only the Savior, that's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. An invitation to repentance. This is where the church is failing the world. All you got to do is turn the television on. All you have to do is listen, read Christian books. We are telling them a bloodless gospel, a sinless gospel. Just give your life to Jesus. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Nowhere in the Bible does it say ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's not wrong. I feel me. But it's repent. So watch. If nothing's a sin, oh, don't tell me that's a sin. Don't tell me that if I'm shocked up, that's a sin. Don't tell me if I'm living in a homosexual or lesbian relationship, that's a sin. You're a bigot. Don't tell me it's a sin. Uh, see, we pick and choose what our sins are. You know, if I say that's a sin, then I hate you, so I'm a sinner. But if there's no sin then I cannot be convicted of something I don't know I've done. And if there's no conviction, then there can be no repentance. And if there's no repentance, then there can be no grace given because grace is not given to unconfessed sin. And this world has a Jesus that's not the Jesus here. This Jesus hung naked and was stretched out wide with a body so lacerated and beaten that those that knew him couldn't recognize him for our sins sins and so it's come to Jesus come to God no come to the cross and realize that's how wicked I am that's how sinful I am and he bled and died for me so they are preaching another Jesus they are preaching another Christ and another gospel don't let anyone trick you and if they'd have followed this Jesus they would have followed him through childhood in his 20s and 30s and they'd saw that he was pure and spotless and his blood flowed from thousands of strips of meat on his back. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes I've been healed. Revelation for us. An invitation to new life. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And an invitation to be in his family. 
God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Oh, don't get me started on adoption. All my wife ever wanted was to be a mama. We prayed and we cried and we fasted and I would hear her on the other side of the room. And listen, your story is your story. Don't tell me mine, it's not mine. We wanted from her womb a child. But what we received was perfect. Wooden trap, no sir, no sir, not for 10. No, Lord, no 10, not 10, no, Jesus, <laughs> no, Lord. And I know you love yours, and there's, men have told me when I saw that my little boy come from inside my wife, I'm torn between love for this woman and love for this baby, and they said, John, you'll never know what it's like to see your mannerisms and your features and your wife's features in the, in the eyes of a child, and you're right. Unless it, have you been there? Unless you've been there, you cannot explain it. But you may not know what it's like on this part. You can have a child by accident, but you can't adopt by accident. And he chose us. He cho See, I don't get to just choose God who my family is. He chose us. And it's only by invitation. One of the saddest things you'll see at an orphanage is as a kid gets older, they group them like they do puppies, and they say, the old ones we can't find a home for. And they'll eagerly await, and they'll meet the parents, and they'll go back to their room and go back to their room and go back to their room. Do you understand that all those people at work and school that aren't believers, for whatever reason, God walked by them, by them, maybe they didn't respond and said, I'll take you. Me? Come on, Johnny. I'll take you. I'm going to be your father. You will find him only if you're invited to find him. He told the shepherds, come look, come look, come look. And see, you were drawn to places where you could see God and you didn't realize you were being drawn. Some of us were drugged to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every training union, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 10 o'clock, rose the bus, Bible school. Anybody else besides me? I, you hear about church mice. I was a mouse, church mouse. And I look back and realize that God was making sure that my subconscious was peppered with the gospel, with the gospel. So in my worst years, there's not many of y'all that have done this, but some of us in this room have prayed drunk. And the ones that chuckled did. <laughs> I'd pray. There'd be those selfish prayers like, oh, Lord, if you'll stop me from throwing up, I'll never do this. <laughs> Ever again. I swear. And then there's those where you're sitting by yourself and you're praying and you're crying. And you're saying, I know you're there. God, help me. Help me. And he's thinking, help you? I'm maneuvering so much disappointment in your life that it's just a few days when you're going to recognize who I am in your life. 
And I'm grateful for every scar and wound and fire and burn because those were the guardrails that bumped me down a narrow pathway. I love it when people say to the lady that's praying for their kid, oh, you can't, they got to make their own decision. That mm, God gave them free will. They use the phrase free moral agents. All right, let's use some scales. Free moral agent right here. You're free. Moral, I doubt it. An agent, you're an agent, free, free will, you have free will. God, all-powerful, all-knowing, incomprehensible, before eternity existed, but you have free will, okay, free will. So what does God do? Because he cannot violate, he cannot violate free will. He orchestrates 10,000 things from positives and negatives, disappointments, scars, failures, sins, nightmares, car all these things, and turns your life in such a way where the one that didn't want to be saved wants to be saved. And free moral agent walks an aisle and says, forgive me, please. <laughs> so who gets the credit? <laughs> Ten years ago, I found the Lord. How? <laughs> How did you find him? I don't know. It's kind of just living stupid and go this way and turn this way. Now I'm saved. Look how I did it. I'm grateful that I know how I got saved so that I never praise myself. He found my hiding place. He exposed me to truth. He gave me an invitation. You ever went to a party where you were the least monetarily sufficient person there and all of you just knew that you didn't own what they own you didn't drive what they drive you didn't wear what they wear you didn't live where they live but you had an invitation you'll stroll right up to them hey hey mine's paid for <laughs> my car paid for to know that I came not by effort or will or character but by invita that invitation it was the most beautiful expression of God's grace I've ever received. Very quickly, you'll find him when you realize that he's found you. Fear not, the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Look at all of that in one statement. God's found you. Did you find him? Do you see? For unto you is born in this day. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Come on. It is like that. We make it so mystical. You find him when you realize he's found you because he's talking to you. With an angel talking to you, you ought to go, oh, you found me. Yes, for a reason. And he'll find you in your sin and rebellion. He'll find you in your prison, self-made and the ones other people made for you. He'll find you in apathy and self-centeredness and confusion, deception. He'll find you in a cave of despair, disappointment, disillusionment, or desolation. God will find you swaying back and forth over the cliff of no return. And find you even though you didn't know you were lost. That's the most beautiful thing when God finds somebody they didn't even know was lost. And finally, number five, you'll find him to be all-powerful. Lisa, if you would come, please. You'll find him to be all-powerful. 
right before Christ ascended, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he made this statement. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If you think of that, anytime you see anything on television, especially if you bought a warranty or extended warranty, how many exclusions and exceptions and did you drop it? Yes. Did you drop it on the left side? I don't know. No, we don't cover that. I don't cover that. There's always some discounted, uh, something that gets them out of it. But with God, God says, regardless, no exclusions, no exceptions, I can save you. Well, what about, mm, no caveat, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All the power that you need to be forgiven. Listen to this. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and that the life is in the Son. See, so whoever gets the Son of God gets the life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. There's no life in religion. There's no life really in an approach like this unless the Gospels preach, unless Jesus is given. All that you need to be forgiven. All that you need to be free. Oh, I could preach here if I had time. Oh, if I... Whom the sun sets free, the Bible says, is free indeed. You don't know on your row were alcoholics and drug addicts. Those bound to sexual sins and perversions. Liars. Liars. Abusers. Not only did he forgive us, he took chains that were so strong and he goes... Watch this. <laughs> Gone. Gone. My little story, you've got greater stories than mine. Alcohol and sexual sin were my two. I was drunk four or five nights a week for seven years. And the day I gave my life to Christ, gone. You never drank again. I never drank again. He knew I had enough issues with other stuff. He just helped me out, just freed me. <sighs> gone. So see, I'm not looking through willpower. I'm looking to his power in my life. He said, I'm all powerful. I can forgive you. I can free you. I can establish you. Listen to this. My first year I was saved, favorite verse, John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Whoever receives him, I give you the power, which means the opportunity, privilege, and authority to be mine. When I accepted Isabel and Olivia, and Kelly and I went before the judge, it wasn't the judge. It was we who gave them the authority and the right and the privilege to be Woods. And the judge approved it, but he could not make us take them. And he says, if you believe on me and give your life to me, I have the right, the authority, and the privilege to make you mine. Do you know what's the biggest surprise about adoption to me? And I know God's listening to me. I go six, seven, eight months, and I forget they were adopted. Honest to God. I'll go, oh, you haven't always been with us. It's like we got married and we had kids. I walked in the room, and Isabel's on my wife's chest. Because when you're adopted that way, you don't think about how. You're just so glad to be home. 
You're so glad to be forgiven. Power, power to establish me. Man, you can put me in any room with any person and any group of people. Empty, you know, I've got my college kids here that are battling lost, confessing professors and believers and all this. You can put me in any room. I know who I am. You can get done with all your dialogue and your theories and how I'm uh, leaning upon a crutch of religion. I'm God's. And he's mine. <laughs> You're just dreaming. Well, don't wake me up. It's the best dream I ever had in my life. And all the power that you need to be not only accepted but preserved. Now unto him that's able to keep you and present you faultless. To present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. But only if you ask. Wait a minute, John. I thought you said I needed an invitation. Why do I, you don't ask for an invitation? I thought you said he had to do it for me. Only if you ask. What? It's a mystery, but it's simple. The one who feels himself or herself at the place of asking, by the time they get there, they realize that they already had the invitation. How do you know if you're invited? Because whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know I'm invited because I asked. Listen to me. Only those that ask have been invited. It's a mystery. He invited me before I knew it. And today, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you will find not just the baby Jesus, you'll find him who your soul longs for. You'll find him that is powerful enough to rebuild your life. You'll find him who can impart new life to you and you'll find him that can preserve you until the coming of the Lord. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord, you could say, has already been invited. So, are there any invitations today? Can I give you a silly illustration I feel prompted to do? What in my sermon? I recorded a couple weeks ago. Love DVR. Can't watch TV without DVR. Oh, Lord, that's like, I just read not have it. I'm telling you, read not have it. And I, Willy Wonka, come on. And I said, oh, well, it come on the little, I said, oh, I'll record that for my girls. And y'all remember my little boy trying to get the golden ticket, trying to get the gold ticket, and there's five in the world. And his granddad says, you're going to get the ticket. And I don't know why I recorded that. I thought I was recording it for them, and I kind of watched it. And I know exactly why it's on my mind. Because the Lord has to do me flashcards for me to get stuff. The odds of you being the one God chosen is so insurmountable. It's so unfathomable. It's unthinkable. Undeserved. I'm trying to be the granddad today telling you, open it. Open the chocolate. <laughs> open the chocolate. And if you'll open it, you'll see that you found it. Will you bow your heads with me?
I confess to you that I can't tell it any clearer. That's it for me. You'll find him if you'll ask. Is there anyone here today? Is there anyone here today? You're not sure of your salvation or you're sure you're not. And you may not have answers to your questions. This ain't about joining this church, but you say, John, I'm feeling something that I... That, I, something's happening. I think he's drawing me. I think the angel is screaming over my field saying, you'll find him. Here's where you'll find him. And I just want you to know, preacher, that I'm praying today, asking God to forgive my sins through the death of Jesus Christ. No one looking around. If that's you, slip your hand up. Hold it up for me so I can see you. Is there anybody? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. Amen. Amen. God sees you. Everyone look this way. That's what we came for today. I'm not going to single you out. Those that raised your hand, I want you to look me right now. Those that raised your hand. You found him. Whosoever calleth. And before you even said the words, the recreative work was already happening. You've been born again. If you repented and you turned to him and accepted him, what does that mean? You'll see. You'll see the next time you go to do something you used to do and it don't feel the way it used to feel. And you go to drink something you used to drink and it don't taste like it used to taste. You go, something's wrong with me. You've been born again. You've been changed. Isn't grace the most wonderful word in the world? Saints, would y'all honor God this morning and give him grace? So as you're dismissed this week and you read the story to your kids or to your spouse, and no kids in the house, would you pause on that verse and look at the one you love and say, we found him. Well, really, well, yeah, we found him. Right where God said we would. I close with this. The shepherds found him lying in a manger. He told us you could find him hung between thieves for our sins. I found him. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Oh, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa. I even brought him down to tell you. Sorry, so sorry, so sorry. I'm that guy again. Um, I'm very thankful for a church that does a lot of stuff during the holidays, and so we need your help one more.